Hi, this is Matt Wallace, lead pastor at Holy Cross Lake Mary, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us, and I pray this message inspires you and helps build your faith. To learn more about Holy Cross, visit hclm.org. Enjoy the message. All right, our scripture reading for this morning comes to us from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. This is just going to lay the groundwork. We're actually going to be a lot working out of the book of Romans today as well. So if you want to have that pulled up on your phone or something like that, we'll be going through that a lot. But here to start it off, Acts chapter 9, uh, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord had said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. This is the word of the Lord. All right, uh, we're starting another uh, session of E3 today, and I'm going to explain exactly what that is in just a minute if you don't already know. But before I do, we're going to start with the opening question. And uh, it's it's a little, you know, when I'm writing these questions, you you try to keep them as simple as possible so you guys can respond. Uh, This one, a little more complicated, but we'll do our best. Here's the question. I want you to tell me about the first time you encountered the Christian faith. Kind of where were you? Where was it? How old were you? What was your first impression? You know, and maybe this was as a child, if you were kind of raised in the faith, if your your mom and dad had you baptized as a baby and took you to church every Sunday from then on, you know, I think there still was a time that probably you first sort of became aware and really began to realize what it was you were doing there and what they were talking about. Tell us about that experience. Or if you were an adult. 
You know, we grow up uh, in a country uh, that where, you know, there's a lot of Christian background, a lot of Christian history, and a lot of Christians, and so it's hard to not have heard of it. But if you uh, came to faith as an adult, what was that first moment, you know, when you, you were exposed to it that you really began to believe? Uh, what was your impression? Uh, go ahead and tell us about that. You can, if you're uh, worshiping along with us online at home, you can jump on the live chat. Uh, Blake is over there uh, filling in for Chris again today. Uh, and, uh, or you can text your answer, especially if you're in the room, to 407-842-8884. So while we're waiting for that to come in, let me tell you about what we're doing today. E3 is shorthand for uh, what we kind of see as both our view of, of how we make disciples and how we grow in our faith, as well as kind of who we are as a church, what we believe, what we do, what type of church we are striving to be. And it stands for three E words, encounter, engage, and embody. And so over the next four weeks, including today, we're going to be looking at each one of those. And yes, as someone that's a little OCD at times, it drives me nuts that it's E3, but it's in four weeks. Uh, but uh, it, couldn't, it couldn't be helped. Uh, we just couldn't do it all in three weeks. So we're kind of splitting up encounter into two parts. And what we're going to be talking about today is encountering the faith. And this is where we not only talk about how we encounter the faith, but also we talk about what it means. What is this faith? What exactly do we believe? And so today we're going to be answering that question. We're going to be looking at what is called the Roman's road to salvation. We're going to be looking at, so the Apostle Paul, who we just read about in Acts, went on to write this amazing letter that became a book of the Bible to the church in Rome, and in it he does an amazing job of talking about salvation, what it means, what, what it is that we're saved from, how we are saved from it, and what it means for us, and so we are going to look at that today. But before we do, uh, Blake, did we get any responses. Yes, we got a couple. So uh, a few or a uh, few people texted in. Uh, one person said Lutheran Youth Alive in high school at their church, and that's when they first understood. Uh, Sunday school classes going through confirmation. Uh, infant baptism, attended church regularly, but did not experience Jesus uh, as my Savior until I was 28 years old. Wow, okay, yeah. 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 Um, and then also grandparents, parents, uh, Bible school, uh, other friends, um, Lutheran school, a lot of those answers. Yeah, so those are great. Yeah. And I, I love that because there are different ways we encounter it. A lot of church stories in there, and that is a great way to encounter the faith is by coming to church, uh, coming to worship, but other ways too, through other Christians, through family, parents, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, through, you know, God bless Sunday school teachers, right? that do that often thankless job, uh, but look at the impact that it has. You know, that's how a lot of people learn about the faith. So let's talk about this. Let's, let's look at the book of Romans, and we're going to start by answering a very obvious question. If we're going to talk about salvation, what is it that we are saved from? What does it mean to be saved, and why do we need it? And so we're going to start in chapter 3. Of Romans. This is chapter 3, verse 23. It's actually just the first part of verse 23. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is why we need salvation. 
because we have all sinned. But that begs a, a rather important question, which is this. What does it mean to sin? Uh, you look at the world we live in today, there's a, a lot of conversation about this. Exactly what is a sin and what isn't a sin, you know? Uh, there's uh, questions some people ask of, is sin a real thing at all? Is there any sin? Or do we all just make different choices in life that all have their uh, uh, pros and cons? What does it mean to sin? Well, I often define it as this. Uh, it's if you've ever done anything to hurt yourself or to hurt someone else, then you have sinned because that is one of the consequences of sin. But really, it's very simple. You know, there's so much discussion out there. Let's bring it down to its essence, to probably the most succinct and straightforward listing of what is sin and what isn't, and that is, of course, the Ten Commandments. God tells us what is good and what is bad in those Ten Commandments. And they include things like this. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. All of those things very straightforward, and I would, I would uh, submit, I would guess that even the most hardcore atheist would agree that those are bad ways to treat other people, to lie, to steal, to covet and have greed, to break a relationship through adultery, to break a commitment through adultery. I think everyone agrees those things are bad, and that is what we call sin. But there's actually one more. Actually, there's three more, but you could probably uh, condense it down to just one, to the main one, and it's the biggest one. It is the one that starts it all off. You shall have no other God. And this is a tough one. This is one that people struggle with. People struggle with it, first of all, because it entails faith. You have to believe there is a God in order to understand that commandment. And some people don't. And so that's going to be a struggle. But even for those of us that do believe that there is a God, to still hear that commandment, you shall have no other gods, is tough to take. Because it means that we are not God. Because it means that we are indeed subject to an authority that is greater than ourselves. And when we rebel against that authority, it is sin. So if that's what sin is, what does sin do? And for that, again, we turn back to Romans. Now we're in chapter 6. Verse 23, Romans 6, verse 23, particularly the first part that says simply this, for the wages of sin is death. The ultimate consequence of sin is death. We, we like to say and think that death is natural. I mean, we've all seen the Lion King, right? Right? The circle of life. But the truth is, 
It's not. At least not the way that we have it now. That's why it hurts when we lose someone to death. That's why we so often fear it, because deep down inside we know this is not how things are supposed to be. But the reason we have death in the world is because of sin. I mean, I'm talking in the big sense, existentially, the reason death exists is because sin entered the world. You can go back to the garden. God warned Adam and Eve not to eat of that tree or what? Or they would die. And when they did, death came into the world. But it's not just in the big existential ways that sin affects us. It's also in smaller ways, in little ways that it kills in our lives. Sin hurts us. It hurts other people, I said before, and it, and it brings those things. It, it kills relationships. It hurts us in mental, emotional, spiritual, and yes, sometimes even physical ways. And that's nothing that we want. But guess what? It's also nothing that God wants. Let me ask you guys another question. Uh, I want you to think uh, uh, not of anything too serious, so, so no cancer or anything like that. But think about uh, common illnesses that we face. What's the sickest you've ever been? And how did you deal with it? What's the sickest you've ever been from like just a common illness, and how did you deal with it? Were you a big baby? Did you tough it out? What did you do? Take some home remedies? Tell us about it. Go ahead, text your answer to 407-842-8884. I'm bringing this up because it has a tie-in here, which is this. We can avoid admitting our own sin only for so long. Eventually, it comes to a point where we have to admit it. We have to confess it. And it's a lot like being sick. You guys know I was sick recently. Uh, had uh, some, I guess it was laryngitis. My wife got laryngitis. Couldn't speak for like more, a week. And then I got sick. Pretty much the same thing. I didn't lose my voice as bad, but I had probably one of the worst sore throats I've ever had uh, in a long time. Very painful. Much better now. But I noticed something about myself. Because I went through and followed a pattern that I often seem to follow when I get sick. And it starts with this. So with this particular illness, I started, I just had a, one day I woke up, and just a little tickle in the back of my throat, just that little, oh, what's that little scratchy, little tickle, right? And so what's the first thing you do? You deny it, right? You go, no, no, you know, I, just, uh, I just talked too much yesterday, you know? Or a perennial favorite for uh, illness denial is, it's just allergies, Right? Just allergies, you know? But then a day or two goes by, and finally you have to realize that you are indeed sick, right? It's not just a tickle anymore. Now it's become a sore throat. My wife is already sick. I'm pretty sure I've got what she has. And so then what do you do? Then you go, well, I can handle it, right? I can fix it. I can do something. I'll just start pounding glasses of emergency four times a day. <laughs> and a buddy of mine uh, tell me to eat an entire bag of oranges. 
in one sitting, right? And, and you're taking other over-the-counter medicines and all of that stuff, and finally you get to the point where you're just sick as a dog and you realize none of that stuff is working. And so then finally you have to go to a doctor, which is what I did, right? And then, well, surprisingly, I started to feel better. Isn't that crazy how that works? Blake, do we get any answers? Uh, how about other people? Yeah, we got a couple. So uh, migraine just stayed in a dark, quiet room. Uh, Kelly Kay said that she, when she was 17, she had mono and was Oof. down and out for a month. So the first service, somebody said that they were out Oof. for six weeks. So, yeah. um, earaches as a kid, lots oh, yeah. of crying. Yeah. Uh, John Grunkley said that. And then uh, somebody else had shared, just take as much medication as allowed. Right. To, yeah, to there you go. Just load up. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> drink. Yeah. Don't recommend. You know, I was about to make the joke like drink a whole bottle of Nyquil at one time, but like that's probably a really, really horrible idea, yeah. right? Uh, but I'm bringing this up because often how we deal with sin is the same way, right? First, we don't want to admit it. I didn't sin. I'm not so bad. I'm a good person. You know. And then finally, we get to the point where we 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 find it, you know, have to admit it. All right, I've sinned. I've I've hurt some people. I've hurt myself. But I can handle it. I can fix it. I can change. I can do better. And then eventually, and sadly, we often get to the point where we realize that's not working either, and we need help. If you turn to a doctor when you're sick, where do you turn when you have sinned? Well, there we go back again. To Romans. Now we're in chapter 5, verse 8, which says this. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sin, death, pain, sickness, none of that is what God wants for us. He loves us. And so he provided a way out. And that way is Jesus. Jesus took all of our sin upon himself and took it to the cross. And he paid the price for it there, a price that we ourselves could not pay. And then he rose from the dead, winning the ultimate victory over sin and death. He won for us on that cross forgiveness for our sins, a forgiveness that reconciles us with God, that restores our relationship with him, and that often helps to restore our relationships with one another. And it gives us the promise of eternal life, removing the fear and the consequence of death. Now that sounds great, but it begs another question, which is how do we receive that? How do we take part in that? How do we get that forgiveness? And it's quite simple. And we turn back to Romans for one last time. Chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get your life in order first. 
Just believe and place your faith and trust in Jesus. It is through that faith alone that we are saved. And then the rest will follow. Now, this is, of course, only the first step in being a follower of Jesus, in being a Christian, in being a disciple. But it is still the main thing. And it leads us on to something greater. I'm reminded of uh, the old original Star Wars, the very first one, which now they call episode four, but it was the first one. And that moment where Luke is training with Obi-Wan and he's got the, his eyes covered and he's uh, practicing with the lightsaber and he feels the force for the first time. And Obi-Wan congratulates him and says this, you've taken your first step into a larger world. When we come to faith in Jesus, that is what we have done. Taken our first step into a larger world. Next week, we're going to continue for that world. Not just how we encounter the faith, but also how we encounter the church. Who we are as a church. What type of church we want to be. And what it means to be a part of this church here at Holy Cross. And so in his name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to learn more or contribute to Holy Cross, please visit hclm.org.